Short of Activision Blizzard, this case strikes me as one of the most egregious that we have seen in any form of trade control, export control, trade sanctions, FCPA, or other major corporate white collar. Anything else really pop to your mind of this magnitude? This is Tom Fox. In this episode of the award-winning Compliance Into the Weeds, Tom and Matt take a deep dive into the British American Tobacco Company, or BAT, OFAC Sanctions Enforcement Action. It's a stunning case involving subterfuge and evasion of sanctions literally at the highest levels of BAT. I know you'll enjoy this episode of Compliance Into the Weeds. The award-winning Compliance Into the Weeds is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. First, quick message from our sponsor. Hello, everyone. Tom Fox, back again with Matt Kelly for the award-winning Compliance Into the Weeds. And Matt, I almost think we should just name this series, The Hits Just Keep On A-Coming. I think so, Tom. We are here to now talk about another sanctions enforcement action. And, and by my count, I think we've talked about sanctions cases now three weeks in a row with this one, right? We have, uh, which is the first time we've ever done that on Compliance Into the Weeds. Sure. Uh, so uh, you ended your blog post with some words of wisdom. Uh, you want to start this podcast with those words and then we'll bookend it at the end? Oh, geez. Now I have to remember what the words were. Yes. Uh, so they were that we should all remember last year, Deputy AG Lisa Monaco was giving a speech about new enforcement priorities, and she talked about sanctions. And she said that uh, sanctions was the new FCPA. And I guess we should all take her at her word, because now we have the third enforcement action around sanctions that Tom and I have talked about in three weeks. And Tom, this is the second one in a row now there where the penalties involved are real money and they are the maximum possible penalty the regulator in question could have imposed. So the regulators themselves were not justice, but this was against British American tobacco. Uh, They got fined more than $630 million for uh, dealings with a North Korea operation. And... um, this is significant. Like this and Seagate Technologies last week fined $300 million for selling goods into China. In both instances, this was the maximum possible penalty that the regulator in question could have imposed, and they went for it. And here we are. Well, and they went for it because, uh, as with Seagate, uh, I thought it was a particularly egregious action. Uh, I think you may have given them a little more credit, but it certainly appeared that uh, British American Tobacco, or BAT, um, knowingly engaged in a complete corporate scheme to evade sanctions by hiding its uh, shipment of cigarettes to North Korea and its attendant payments that it uh, received and made back. So you wanted to describe the uh, nefarious scheme engaged by BAT? Sure. So this actually all goes all the way back to 2001 when BAT had established a joint venture to sell cigarettes and tobacco products into North Korea. By 2007, they realized that was problematic. 
So they announced that they would sell off their stake in the North Korea joint venture to an independent North Korea company. And then they publicly said, we are now done with North Korea. And that was in 2007. They did not say that they had secretly maintained influence and control over the new corporate entity doing business in North Korea. But they did have that control and power. So they really were still selling into North Korea. And then they were working through a, I guess, a various constellation of uh, shell companies in North Korea, banks in China and elsewhere to uh, sell into North Korea, mask the sales. The profits then went to banks that were in China, that then went to banks that I think were in Singapore, that went to the Singapore subsidiary of BAT and eventually back to BAT itself. And um, the Treasury Department's Office of Foreign Assets Control, OFAC, has this gigantic schematic in their announcement about this, that uh, how all of these payments worked. To make matters worse, not only were they masking their ownership over the company and telling the North Korea businesses to hide who they were through shell operations, but they were also doing business with those two banks in China were on U.S. sanctions lists. And then BAT still knew all of that and still did business with this arrangement that went on through 2016 or 2017, I believe it was. But this is a long-running, complicated scheme involving the highest levels of BAT knew this was going on to evade sanctions risks. I think finally in 2017, as sanctions against North Korea kept going up, BAT finally came to its senses and terminated this. Tom, I am not clear on how all of this actually came to light with the Treasury Department and OFAC, um, but ultimately we have this huge fine from OFAC $508 million, which was, as I said, the maximum penalty they could have imposed for the amount of sales that British American tobacco had reaped from this venture. Uh, the Justice Department piled on with a hundred and some odd million uh, criminal penalty. And there is a deferred prosecution agreement with BAT itself, I believe, plus the Singapore subsidiary of BAT had to plead guilty, if I remember everything correct. Um, there's also a bunch of compliance commitments that BAT has promised. We can get into those separately, but long convoluted thing that is a multi-agency uh, prosecution between justice and OFAC, and uh, it was a big, big, complicated mess. Um, I think we have to start with BAT. Uh, clearly, they knew what was going on because they uh, took affirmative steps to evade sanctions and made a huge profit from this. Uh, in the settlement documents I was able to read, which were um, the Department of Justice press release and the OFAC statement, I didn't see uh, anything around a CCO certification. If, if you were able to look at the DPA, did you see anything in that document? I did not see the DPA from the Justice Department yet. <clears throat> However, the uh, OFAC settlement order does talk about certification for five years from a responsible corporate officer. Now, I don't know who that is, and that doesn't say who it is. There is somebody somewhere is certifying something to OFAC for the next five years that uh, the certification, that, that its compliance program is uh, fully up to speed, its sanctions compliance program. 
Um, I am not entirely clear if BAT's chief compliance officer will also have to certify something to justice because they have not apparently released the DPA and I haven't been able to dig it up yet. Uh, short of Activision Blizzard, this case strikes me as one of the most egregious uh, that we have seen uh, in really any form of uh, trade control, export control, trade sanctions, uh, FCPA, or other major corporate white collar. Anything else really popped to your mind of this uh, magnitude? Well, no. In fact, what strikes me is that when you look through OFAC's order, typically when you read these OFAC orders, they will start by saying, the maximum possible penalty under the statute is a zillion dollars. And then they go through a series of adjustments of aggravating factors and mitigating factors, and they work their way down. So yes, the maximum penalty is a zillion dollars, but we're actually going to find them like 400 grand. That's very routine with OFAC settlements. That is not what happened here. Um, they, broadly speaking, the law allows OFAC to impose a two-for-one penalty, based on the dollar amount of illicit transactions. Uh, and you never see that in OFAC transactions, but you saw it here uh, because it was a 250-odd millions in sales, and that's the $508 million penalty that we get. But when you look through the factors that OFAC listed to reach that, like, with all due respect, pardon my language, listeners, but they were pretty pissed. I mean, and that shines through in the OFAC order. Um, they talk about how BAT and its subsidiaries knew full well that U.S. sanctions said you can't do business with North Korea. They were upset over how BAT publicly announced in 2007, they put out a press release, we are now done with North Korea. Um, they were upset that uh, BAT is a huge company, it's $34 billion in revenue per year lately. So, I mean, clearly they had the means and sophistication to figure out we shouldn't be doing this. Um, and plus, I think that they were especially annoyed that this involved North Korea, uh, because North Korea does use these foreign transactions, especially around, you know, easily taxable ones like tobacco to fund its war machine. So I wonder if in some parallel universe, if BAT had been doing a scheme like this just to avoid taxes in some low risk country, would they have gotten this penalty? I don't know. But very clearly... And this also is seen with the Seagate case that we discussed last week. Um, it also depends very much on who are you selling to. And if those countries are on the United States uh, shame list, and North Korea is at the top, so is Russia, China, very close behind, you are going to be in a world of pain. And BAT is in that world right now. There was also some fairly robust compliance program requirements, which you've summarized in your blog post. Uh, could you go through those and uh, what did you, uh, insights did you gain from those? Uh, yes. First off, I did dig up the exact phrasing for this certification that they will have to make. Um, so BAT has to make an annual certification of its sanctions compliance program for the next five years done by a, quote, senior level executive or manager. I don't know who that is. If somebody out there knows, please let me know. But there is that certification requirement for five years. Uh, BAT had to overhaul its risk assessment program to be able to consider risks from customers and clients and whatnot. 
Um, they're going to have to adjust these risk assessments over time um, as BAT finds new risks in the course of doing business. I mean, that sounds like a common sense approach to risk assessment to me, but uh, now BAT has uh, certified or committed publicly that it's going to do this. Um, one other thing that I thought was interesting, there were a couple of different discussions about BAT's internal controls. Uh, so it will have to maintain written policies and procedures. No one's there. We've seen that many times before. Um, when the company discovers a weakness in internal controls, it must take, quote, immediate and effective action to cease that issue with compensating controls while it then performs a root cause analysis to figure out how did this control break down in the first place and then fix that. Uh, but also, uh, the company will have to do um, extensive training of employees about the importance of sanctions compliance. I'm all for that, but we see that plenty of times as well. Then it says, the company needs to integrate its sanctions compliance and procedures into daily operations. Now, on one hand, that sounds vague to me, Tom, but also on the other hand, it does sound a lot like two weeks ago when you and I were talking about Microsoft getting a very favorable result from OFAC, uh, what Microsoft had done was revamped its sanctions compliance to have a three lines of defense model specifically for sanctions compliance, where the first line of defense was going to be responsible on a daily basis for managing Microsoft's sanctions efforts. This sounds to me like the same idea grafted onto a tobacco company instead. Um, and then there are some other management commitments about having autonomy and resources and taking things seriously and all that. But uh, really, I think the most interesting are probably the operationalizing of sanctions compliance throughout the business and uh, those certifications for five years from somebody somewhere on the top half of the org chart, but I, I don't know who yet. So do you think there's any uh, potential uh, other uh, either civil or criminal penalties that could befall BAT, perhaps leaving aside a uh, shareholder action uh, based on Caremark? Uh, I don't know about that. Um, I mean, really, it would be the Justice Department, most likely. Uh, we already have that. It would be OFAC. We have that. Um, I don't necessarily know if there would be some sort of SEC issue here that they could take some kind of securities enforcement over disclosure. Um, possibly because BAT did specifically put out a press release saying we're done with North Korea, and that wasn't true, so that's misleading. Um, but I would wonder also about any potential Caremark civil liability uh, in court with the board or other senior management, because senior management was apparently aware of these arrangements. I'm not entirely clear on who in senior management was how clear on exactly what part of these arrangements, but the OFAC settlement does strongly suggest that um, management knew full well that this joint venture thing that they washed their hands of in 2007 and then secretly ran it, like management was in on that. Somebody somewhere was in on it. I just don't know how far up the org chart that went. So I don't know if there's going to be more here, but I wouldn't die of shock if there were. The um, In Caremark, uh, there's two prongs to Caremark, ignoring red flags or not having a system in place. It appears a system was in place because they evaded that system. Uh, then the uh, um, 
management at some level knew about this. So I think the red flags were present. And in addition to the board, I guess now I'm wondering, is there a Caremark claim against senior management that engaged in the nefarious conduct, uh, similar to the um, conduct engaged in by the former people officer at McDonald's? But uh, perhaps we will wait and see on that. Uh, that seems to me like uh, we will have to wait and see on it. But regardless, even if nothing else happens with this case, Tom, this is a big, big sanctions enforcement case. So we started this podcast with uh, your final thoughts and your blog post. Do you want to bookend it and say why we should listen when Lisa Monaco speaks? Well, why don't you sit down with the CFO of BAT, who is currently figuring out how to wire $630 million to the regulators? That is why. Ditto for Seagate Technologies paying $300 million. And again, that was the maximum possible penalty that uh, the Bureau of Industry and Security was allowed to impose under the law for that misconduct. Or go back to Microsoft, which did do a lot of things right, and they paid $3.2 million, which is a whole lot less than anything else we have seen in these, pre these other two cases. So when Lisa Monaco speaks, I would suggest people take her at her word. This is Tom Fox again. I'm pleased to announce that Compliance Into the Weeds won a 2022 Communicators Award in two categories for the best co-host and for best business podcast. So thanks to all of our listeners who supported us for the Communicator Awards. I hope you will join Matt and I again next week where we take another deep dive into the compliance weeds. Finally, if you thought about starting your own podcast, please contact me. I'd love to help you either uh, help you produce your podcast or put you on the Compliance Podcast Network. This is Tom Fox. The award-winning Compliance Into the Weeds is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.